Good morning, church family. So good to see you. Um, thank you so much for praying for me. My name is Brandon. This is the lead pastor here at Austin Oaks Church, recovering from a throat procedure and a, not my appendix that Pastor Chad said that was in my throat. Um, yeah, I had my tonsils removed. And let me tell you, some people warned me that that wasn't something to fool around with as an adult. And I'm here to testify, don't do it. Um, so I actually thought that I could, I was slated to preach because I thought I was um, unique and that the recovery period of three to six weeks wouldn't apply to me in a week and a half would be fine. I'd be able to preach. But um, my better half and the wise partner in the household, my wife said, do not do it. And so I obeyed, and, um, and I'm so thankful that uh, Pastor Charles and his wife, Florence, back there, um, they've, they've made Austin home. Yeah. And so they're here for a bit, and I was like, Pastor Charles, thank you so much for preaching so well last Sunday. How about you do it again? And so um, he said yes, and so we get to hear from his heart what the Lord put on him. And I want to tell you this. I sat through the first sermon and it moved me. It, this is a timely message for the church, not just Austin Oaks Church. So I want to encourage you, be social media influencers with this message. Share it, get it out there, because the church needs to hear this message this morning. Um, but I wanted to, um, I'm going to actually call Pastor Charles up, because if he's down there, I'm going to talk more, and I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> okay. so if he's up there, then I'm going to feel the need to be done. Um, but if you recall, back in 2019, early 2020, we felt called by the Lord to raise $150,000 to fund a church plant in Karangazi in the Northeast province of Rwanda. And you responded with great obedience and generosity and we covered that. And um, for the last four years, I got to know this man and he's a remarkable man of the Lord. And so when we first met, our hearts were knitted together. There was like something that the Lord was doing here. And I just kind of wanted to keep going. It's like, Lord, what can we do as a church? to further a partnership that's beyond just child sponsorship, which is great, but what could we do that'd be different? Because like it says in Romans 1, where Paul was going to Rome and he wanted to like encourage them, but yet to be mutually encouraged too, where he can impart them a gift, but also be a part of something back. And that was kind of the partnership that we were feeling. And Charles was just kept saying to me, he's like, Brandon, you, you don't know what's all there until you get there. And so he, he's been trying really hard to get me to go there in 2019, had Israel slated, so we were gonna go in 2020. And COVID hit, didn't happen, which was great. God's timing was immaculate, though, because then in, by 2021, the building was finished that we funded, so I was able to go. And when we were there, it was all of a sudden the Lord just started opening up my eyes and my heart to the things that we can do. And so I'm excited to share with you all more about the partnership opportunities that we have as a church to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just further in Rwanda, but also mutually here because Charles and his family, they, they've made Austin their home here as well, which is great. And so there's gonna be a lot of mutual encouragement and benefit that they're gonna to bring to our church as well and also their ministry. So I'm gonna stop now because I want you to hear the significance of African New Life and the significance of church planting. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Brandon. Thank you um, for sending him to Rwanda, allowing him to come, and for the entire church, for you guys allowing him to get on the plane. And let me tell you what happened. He came into Rwanda, and the country was open. And then as soon as he left the country, we are back closed due to COVID. 
So God just opened up a door for him to come in and your worship pastor, and after they are done, then he closed the door. So he's going to open another door, I think, when they come back. I'm just joking about this. Come on, let us celebrate. African New Life Ministries is celebrating 20 years. Amen. 20 years of, of, of ministry. Amen. Uh, in 1994, you all know, many people know that we had a genocide. And uh, the two sea people of Rwanda were killed. Nearly a million people in just 90 days. And out of that, the Lord led me and my wife who's seated over there and four of my kids uh, out there. Um, and God gave us a vision to go to Rwanda, to our own people, to start a ministry for them. And out of that ministry, seven churches have been planted. You guys are one of that church. You helped us plant a church in Kalangazi. Uh, it's up there. I think we can see it. Uh, got the next slide. Okay. Um, that's the church in Kalangazi. You helped us see plant. And it is a beautiful place. It's over there in the corner, right there in the northeast of Rwanda. Um, hospital has been built, the second largest hospital in the nation uh, among a private hospitals. Um, 11,000 children sponsored. Uh, God has done great things, different ministries. And out of these ministries, all we have done is to do two things, is to serve God with the two hands of the gospel preach the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and act compassionately in those communities where we serve. So I want to thank you for you are now as we celebrate 20 years, you are part of our renewed story and this is our renewed story. Our renewed story is to plant churches all over the nation of Rwanda. We want to plant churches everywhere. Why? Because in about three years ago, about 7,030 something churches were closed. Churches were closed because they don't have facilities. The government has introduced a standard of how a church should look like. And in their eyes, the church is, looks more like a, uh, uh, an English building. A building that is properly done and it has an occupational permit. And that is a burden on the Rwandan church because we don't have what it takes to build a church. Who has ever built a build, church building before you even have members? So that is what we are going through. And that is what you guys are helping us with. You are helping us to carry, our, to carry the burden and we are working hard to take care of our Lord. And our Lord is to put in pastors, is to pay the pastors, is to run the church, is to indigenize the church so the church is self-supported, is self-propagated, is leading itself with its own elders. But the most challenging situation, the entry point, is putting in that building. So I want to thank you for helping us to put in that building. And uh, right now as I speak, a hundred people attending church in that building. And that building can take in 300 people 
in the community. And it's beautiful. By the way, it's the most beautiful church in the community. And we want to thank you for your support and your commitment to help us. And not only building, when you come in that community, now we have about 700 children sponsored. And a number of those children are sponsored by your church. To make even the news much better, we've just signed their partnership with the Baylor University uh, to do container clinics. So next time you come, you may find a medical clinic in some of our communities built by Baylor University with their students. Uh, because for us as, thank you, for us as African New Life Ministries, the whole idea of preaching the gospel with the two hands, it's about preach the truth, preach Jesus, move people to love Christ, to believe in him, to follow him, but at the same time, reach out to those physical needs. And that is healthy care, that is education for the children, that is food for the hungry. Some of you who sponsor children, one of these days you're going to get some information asking you to send food because they are under a lockdown. We do those kind of things to demonstrate the love of God in our community. So thank you for being part of the story. It's so um, amazing to actually put boots on the ground there and to see this in action and, and it's amazingly it is so humble to to be able to see our humbling to see it all happening because it's like all of the staff within the organization of african new life the pastors that are being developed and trained a lot of them come from within the child sponsorship program which was like so amazing to see and with the seminary that she guys started and equipping these pastors who will never get any training all that kind of stuff it is, it is a humbling thing just to be part of that. And so we feel strongly as a church to dig deeper in this partnership. And so when we were there, I was asking the Lord, well, you know, just open up my heart, show me, you know, show me what's going on that you want us to do. And so, Chris, I'm going to ask you, can you put that map back up? And so as we were there, uh, one of the things that we learned, Seth and I learned, was that each province is kind of responsible or they, like, they're known for producing something, something yep. like rice or bananas. And the northeast province where we <coughs> built the church in Karangazi is known for cattle. And um, as we were going through that area, we saw this massive statue of a cow. It looked like a longhorn. Yep. And I was like, that's yeah, a cows sign have from the right And so, <laughs> all the truth aside, I thought that was kind of like a little joke. But it's like in that moment, though, I feel like the Lord was pressing on my heart saying, the northeast province is Austin Oaks' responsibility. And I was just like, okay, and I brought that back, shared a little bit with some of our staff, and I shared that with the elders, and we're like, yeah, let's, let's take a step forward into that. Because what's significant about these church plans is think about that, is going, you can't have a church unless you have a building. Financially, that's a difficult thing to do. Like, no, not even an American church plan would do that, unless somehow God graced it with that. But it's like, when they come in, they are able to then open up the doors to child sponsorships, and the government has recognized their work, and so they've even given them control in some of their schools through yep. the curriculum. I mean, it's just amazing all the things that happens when a church comes in there. And so the God has already showed African New Life two specific locations in the Northeast province with property and that's already been given favor where they're ready to plant these churches. And so our call, what we feel, what we want to encourage you and challenge you to do to take this next step in this partnership with African New Life is, let me backtrack real quick, Okay. Like, when I got here, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I want to be a church that plants churches. And I just couldn't see a way of how we could do that right now 
within our time, our church in this city. And, I, and now I understand why, because it's like this is that calling to plant churches. We are the church. We are brothers and sisters. We're able to provide the funds, and they're able to do the work and equip the Rwandans to do the work of the ministry there, which is awesome. So what we're going to do for the next three Sundays is we're going to challenge you as a church. We want to raise another $150,000 to build the next church in that northeast province. And here's what's exciting is that we're already planning on one for sure, hopefully two trips next year in 2022 to go to Rwanda. And it wouldn't just be like Seth and I, but we're opening it up to the church. And there's going to be two unique opportunities. Before they build and launch that church plant, they do these open-air tent revival things. And so they invited us to bring a team to be part of that, to experience that, to see that, to get Amen. to know the people in the community, which would be an amazing opportunity for us. And then the second trip that we want to do then in 2022 is when the church is built, to go on their grand opening time, to be able to meet the kids and the sponsor in there, but also to celebrate, to see what God's doing in that area. And so I want to encourage you, pray, ask the Lord what he would do in your heart if, if he's calling you to give generously to this. You're going to have opportunities to give online to African New Life. If you want to write a check, just write African New Life in the memo. We got giving boxes back there. And we also have a lunch today at 1230. I want to encourage you to come so that way you can hear more information about the potential ongoing partnership with Austin Oaks Church and African New Life. And so thank you, church, for your generosity. But also, Charles, I want to say thank you um, so much for blessing us. It is truly an honor mm -hmm. to be underneath you teaching to us because you are a man whom God has used and you are an example of faith and obedience. Thank you. To hear, like, you hear these 20-year things and you see all the stuff that's there, but when you go back to the origins of the story and you hear from Charles how it started, Charles and Florence, they did this just as a family first and they started bringing kids in. And God just kept showing him favor, opening up doors. And here's a man who shows us what God can do if you continue to say yes to him. And so, Charles, truly, it is an honor to hear the word speak through you and challenge us as a church. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, amen. And thank you for using your, your precious voice right now to to. to to support you and to partner with Africa New Life. Let's pray. God, I come before you. I do pray through your son, Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit will give me the right words, put a message on my heart and my lips, and give me the clarity and the grace to deliver a message you have for your children and for this nation. I thank you. And we're about to hear from you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm really excited to be here and to bring God's word today and to really be grateful for your church. Man, you guys have changed it a lot. You've changed it so much. Um, uh, I've been coming here now for a number of years. Today... I was moving, I was dancing. It's like uh, I'm going back to Africa right here at Ox. You guys are moving, something is happening. Something good is happening in your hearts, in your church. God is blessing you, and we thank God for what God is doing in this place. And God will do amazing things, because God has much, much more in store 
for you guys. He wants to do great things. He wants to take you to places spiritually you've never been before. And I see God doing that. Uh, Today, I want to talk about what I've called what matters most in the church. Now, today, if I gave you a piece of paper, and I wanted you to write down what actually matters in the church most, we will all write what matters most based on our tradition, where we come from. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, we are all coming from possibly different church backgrounds. I was raised up Roman Catholic, and I became a believer at age 17. But I've also had the opportunity of ministering in different church denominations. For example, in Northern Ireland, I preached among Pentecostals, Baptists, and Presbyterians. In England, I used to do a lot of preaching among Anglicans, but even the Anglicans themselves are different. Some are very evangelical, some are very charismatic, and I remember preaching in a high church in Manchester, St. Peter, St. Peter, St. Andrew, and it's, it's Anglican, but it's nearly Catholic. And then I've preached in churches in Africa, and churches in Africa are obviously different from the churches I've been to in America and in Europe. Man, there we move. We do music differently. We, we move. Till we move, man, we are not done with the service. Okay? And, and I enjoy it. I like it. Okay? When, when we move and praise the Lord and, and, and all those things are really beautiful. Buildings are beautiful. Colors of buildings are beautiful. Lights. Oh, I love lights in the churches. They are really beautiful. Sometimes when I see churches with all the lights and the screens, I think when we get to heaven, heaven is going to be like this. It's going to be a city of, of lights. So we can experience them in the church here. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, churches have different emphases and things they like. But today, I want to tell you what matters most in the middle of all those things. And what matters most in the middle of all these things is becoming a loving church is being a church that loves. Because when we become a church that loves, we feel that we fulfill the new command Jesus has given us. Jesus left the great commission to us, but also Jesus left him the, a new command with us. In the book of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, Listen to what the Bible says. This verse is so powerful because this verse makes the church a a, a light on the hill. It makes the world know that we are truly the disciples of Jesus Christ. It makes the world know that we are truly the representatives of God here on earth. When we touch the world, when we touch each other with the love of Christ, the love he loved us with when he died on the cross. Even before we loved him, the Bible says Jesus loved us. So Jesus said, a new command I give you. This is not just history. It's a command. 
And the command says, a new command I give you. This is a command to, to, to be here for the rest of our lives. Love one another as I have loved you. So, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Look at it. First of all, it's a new command, but also it is a, it's, it's, it's a must. It says you must. You, you don't have a choice. You must. Now, I want to be uh, transparent here uh, and make a confession. There are some people I don't like. And there are some people I'll never like. Uh, because there's so much we don't share. Okay? But let me tell you, even when you don't like some people, God calls us to love them. For those you don't like, you love them. For those you like, it's a plus. You like them and also love them. But you cannot take away love from the equation because you don't like them. Because they are different from you. Because they look different from you. Because they have a different political ideology from you. Because they sing and do church differently from you. Jesus said that you must love one another. He recognized that in life we are going to have differences and preferences. And in spite of our differences and preferences, he says, you must love one another. And he said, this is so important because when you do this, the world will know that you are my disciples. The non-believers will know that you belong to me. Man, I want to do that. I want to be evangelistic with my own life. I want to be an evangelist even before I speak. You want to live your life out there evangelistically. I want my church space to be evangelistic as well, to be welcoming. There is nothing as beautiful as entering a loving church. I remember when I first became a Christian, raised in a Roman Catholic church, I visited a church of uh, born-again people, and in this church, their church building didn't look like a mine. It wasn't clean. It didn't have a beautiful cross like my church. It didn't have a concrete floor. People were sitting on the floor and worshiping, raising up their hands. Everything looked awkward and different from what I am used to. I visited the first Sunday. And I decided to go back because those people loved me so much. So I went back. The third week, I was hanging around as a younger man at 17. And they said, why don't you come back in the church? They loved me. They loved me so much into the kingdom of God. The third week, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So it's, love is so central to what a church is. Why? Why love matters? Why love, why love matters most? Why love matters most? Listen. This is the reason. It says, John, the first epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, the Bible says, and we, and it says, and we have known and believed that love that God has for us, 
God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, I want you to look at that verse. That verse teaches us why love matters most. Look at it. You know, sometimes I tell my church members to just look. Look at the verse and look at it. And look at it. It says, and we have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. We know it, that God loves us. And then I love that shorty, I love that short part there. God is what? God is love. Can you define God? God is love. And he who abides in love, okay, abides in God. In other words, are you in God? And he says, and God in him. What a place to be. God is love. In other words, in loving, we are more like a God. In loving, we become more like a God. Do we have our shortcomings? Yes. But we strive to become more like a God. And how do we become more like a God? We become more like a God in loving. Because he is love himself. Love takes on even a greater significance for those who follow and love Jesus. The level of love within a church community tells the spiritual, tells us of the spiritual health of the church. That's the thermometer. If there was a thermometer to test it for spiritual health, it's not how much comes in the offering. It's not how many chairs you have. It's not what expansions, what actually tests the health of the church is how we love one another. And you realize that when we love one another, things happen, including revival happens. God moves because we love one another, because there is unity. The spirit of God is poured among us. Love is so central to what a church should be. Now, I, I, I love Paul with all my heart in scripture. I love Paul's writings. Uh, Paul was a very gifted leader, very gifted pastor, very gifted teacher, very gifted apostle. I mean, gifted in every way. Sometimes I wonder if we didn't have Paul and uh, the Bible stopped at the book of Acts, see? Man, we would have a lot of disorganization for the rest of our life. Paul organized the church beyond the book of Acts because he was a gifted leader. But listen, Paul said something profound. He said, no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, he said, I am bankrupt without love. It doesn't matter how good I teach, what I do, if I don't have love, I am empty. Jesus said, our love for each other is the greatest witness to the world. Now, we have guys that have preached the gospel in big ways. They've been here and they've gone, okay? But friends, let me tell you, the greatest witness of the gospel that continues from one generation to another generation is the love of Christians for each other and the love for the world. Your strong love for each other 
will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I love theology, but it's not my statement of faith. It's not even my theology. Let me make it even more controversial. Now, it doesn't mean I don't commit myself to a statement of faith. I believe in good doctrine, okay? But I'm saying I, I, don't, I can have an argument with you and win the argument, but not win your heart. And I found out that as I love people and get close to them, they may be different from me. As a result, I win them to my theology. That's why when we are starting African New Life Ministries, we started out by helping children in the orphanages, reaching out in communities that did not love God and build bridges. And those bridges have resulted into transformational churches. Love is important. Now, what is... By the way, I, I, I'm not going to leave this out. Let me make it... A little bit more controversial. Let me make it more controversial. Uh, and sometimes I'm, I, I can't be. Uh, did you know that Jesus Christ, when he came on earth, he, he did not start a political party? So basically, even your political ideology is not what matters most. What matters most is your love for the brother. He may be different from you, he may believe some weird things politically, and it's completely off from your point of view, but let me tell you what matters most is your love for him. Because when Jesus came, do you know what he did? He did not start a political party for Republicans or Democrats or the Green Party, whatever party you guys have, whatever parties the nations have, he started a church. He started the church, and he started the place called the church that this place would actually spread the gospel to all the nations of the world. But this church, this church that spreads the gospel and spreads the truth would also spread the truth in love. Now, what is love? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what is love? What is love? When I was a young man, in my teens, my early 20s, we had a our own definition of love. And we used to say, love is the feel you feel before you feel a feel that feels you. Okay? So it was all about to a feel. And for some of you who are not, for some of you who are not married, man, you get this feel that feels you all the time. Let me tell you, that is not the best definition of love. Scripture has the right definition of love. The Bible teaches us that love is patient. Scripture teaches us that love is kind. Scripture teaches us that love does not envy. Scripture teaches us that love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, love does not have a black book. Now, I want you to imagine if we had a community of believers that is patient, 
that is kind. That's not envious. That's not boastful. That's not proud. That doesn't have, that doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Do you, do you realize how beautiful that place will be? It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritatable or resentful. Wow. Do you realize that people can be irritated in church? Irritated by music. Irritated by a sermon. Man, especially for us who are pastors, we have the hardest job you can ever imagine. You can preach in a church for 20 years. And then on one Sunday, you make a mistake in words. As if you are a, a perfect angel from heaven. And someone you've been ministering to for a period of 20 years can be irritated by one simple statement you've made he doesn't like. Can you imagine if we had churches where pastors can actually speak a little bit with freedom and no fear? Many would have more prophetic movements. Because we can tell more truth. Because we can preach not to please people, but because we love them. And we can preach to please God, the God we love and the God who loves them. And we have more authentic communities. Amen. Amen. Love rejoices in the truth. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. We need a church. We as a church, we need to be constantly reminded to make love a priority. We need to be constantly reminded. I don't think I preach about love in my church enough. It's like I need to dedicate three sermons every year to talk about love, to keep love going on in the community. Why? Because the church without love is just making noise. Just making noise. Just making noise at the corner. In Rwanda, that would even be worse noise because we make more noise in the church. Jesus summarized that what matters most is, number one, love God and love people. Number two, you must love your neighbor. How do we love God? We love God with our entire heart. Now, also with our mind. And Americans, I think you do a great job of loving God with your mind. I really recommend you for that. You do a good job of loving God with your mind. How? You know, you exit scripture. You, you write commentaries. You, you dig deep into very deep notes. You study deeply. And I really believe that deep study of the scriptures is a love of God with your mind. But also God calls us to love him with our hearts. And remember our hearts, our, your heart is the city of your emotions. To be a little bit emotional about God is also a gesture of loving him with your heart. I hope that's not a stretch for someone here. Let me give you an example. I went to preach in England. And in England, uh, where I was preaching that, uh, that week, 
The pastor loves soccer. By the way, I love soccer. And I'm coming to Austin again and again because you start the soccer team in Austin. That is, that is the greatest thing you guys have ever done, is to start a soccer team. But, but listen to this. So on Saturday, they took me to a game. And in this game, English people were no longer English. They were like African people. They were shouting in the stadium. They were making noise, all forms of noises, blowing all forms of trumpets, whatever everyone can put his hand on. And I said, wow, you English people love your soccer with all your heart. Sunday morning, we go to church, and we start to worship. And it's like the entire church is seated in a fridge. And their emotions are completely fleeced. It's like they don't have a feeling. So I stood up in the church and I said, come on, my English brothers. You say the English people are not emotional. But yesterday on Saturday, your emotions were at the highest in the stadium. And today, Sunday morning in the church, it's as if you were in a fridge. Do you love Jesus more than you love soccer? Are you excited about soccer than Jesus? And that's what I was saying yesterday, I mean last Sunday. The whole idea of loving Jesus with your entire heart and being expressive about your love of him. But he also talks about the love of your neighbor, taking care of your neighbor. And that is a beautiful thing. Number two. Love is the best evaluation for spiritual maturity. Otherwise, one of the ways God measures spiritual maturity is by the quality of our relationships. In heaven, God won't say, what was your career? How big was your bank account? What, did you love uh, uh, soccer or basketball or sports or this university or the other university. I found out in America, don't talk about the universities. People love their universities. <laughs> their universities are also their churches. But, but listen, 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 listen to this. God is not going to ask you all those questions. But instead, he will review how you treated the other people. Particularly those in need and your enemies particularly those in need and your enemies. Loving my enemies is the best test for my character. That's really when God tests me. That is why the best way to express our faith is through love. That's how we shine. So how to practically be a loving church? Now, I've been working on this even in my own church, trying to create an environment that is loving. I found out that some people were entering the church and living in another door, and they were not staying. And I found out that some people in the church had actually created like a cult, not like a cult in the sense of wrong doctrine, but these people were loving themselves so much in the choir, they were loving themselves so much in the music band, they were loving themselves so much in the smaller groups, and they had no room for new people. 
as I said, this is, I, wanna, I want this to be a loving place. I want the strange people who are different from us to come into new life and find this to be their home and feel at home. We want to be an open community. And I started talking about a number of things. Number one, maintaining harmonious relationships. Maintaining harmonious relationships. One of the reasons the Lord is blessing African New Life is that we've maintained and we work hard on maintaining harmonious relationships. Because harmonious relationships attract people like a magnet. When, when a church really offers love to each other and those who are welcomed into it, it opens Door for more people to come. More people to come. So Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Are we going to have differences? Yes. I don't like your hair. You don't like my hair. Okay? Uh, you, you don't like my tight pants. I don't like your baggy pants. Man, we are going to have all these <laughs> differences. But it says live in harmonious relationship with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repent no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. <laughs> that is not easy. That's not easy. Number two, let us commit to being a people lover and encourager. Love people and encourage people. Friends, let me tell you, this world we live in has many troubles. It has many challenges. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your account. We all go through discouragements in this life. So there's so much to discourage us here on earth. So much from mothers, to, to professors with their students, to mothers with their children, to governments with their whatever, taxpayers. You know, whatever you can put out there, there's so much to discourage anyone in leadership, in any position, in any family, in any relationship, and we all get discouraged. So this is what I really want to encourage ourselves to do, is to become a band of encouragers. Just live out your life to encourage people, to, 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 to support them, to make them feel welcome. Let me tell you, for me as a pastor, Sunday morning when I open up those doors of the church, so many different people come into the doors. You don't know what they've gone through. Abusive relationships. Some are sick. Some are bankrupt. In my country, some of them don't even have rent. Some of them don't have food to eat. You want them to find encouragement in the church. So from this day, I want to encourage all of us to make it, our, it a goal in our lives to be people who encourage others. Just find out a word of encouragement every week you can give to someone. Just make that your growth, your growth strategy. A word to encourage. Number three, let us value every person and not judge. And let me tell you, sometimes we make small statements that dehumanize people. And after you've dehumanized people, you can do whatever you want to do to them. They don't have value in your own eyes. 
Now, I grew up with that, uh, where the Tutsi people of Rwanda were dehumanized. Uh, they, uh, uh, they, the, the Hutu militias did not wake up one day and start killing Tutsi people. For nearly a period of 30 years, they made small statements like, killing a Tutsi person is killing a snake. And that sinks. And then another statement like, killing a Tutsi person is like crushing a cockroach. Okay? They dehumanize them. Another one would say, you guys don't know enough about a Tutsi people, but when you open them in the back, they, they, have a, they have a tail. They are an animal. They are non-human beings. And with all these years of dehumanizing Tutsi people, it resulted into a genocide that claimed nearly a million people in just 90 days. How could that happen? 30 years, 40 years of dehumanizing a group of people in the community. Not seeing the imago day of God, the image of God in their lives. True Christians, true lovers of God, they love people and they value people and they don't dehumanize people. They don't judge people. The Bible teaches us not to judge in the book of Matthew, chapter 1 to, to verse 6. Uh, it says, don't judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured unto you. And you can read the rest for yourself. Now, you realize Christianity is becoming harder here. You realize it's like climbing a mountain. We are getting on the top there. Listen to number four. Love outside our comfort zone. Loving outside our comfort zone. That even gets harder. You guys here in America, you have what we don't have. And you have what you call zip codes. Woo! Those zip codes divide people every day. They don't only divide old people, they even divide children, innocent children. I remember I lived in Indianapolis for some time, and we lived on the border of Camo and Marion County. And uh, woo, on the border, in Marion County, the schools were terrible. Across the border in Camo, the schools were shining. And I wanted my kids to go to the Camo schools because we are near the Camo schools. No, you are, you, you are on a wrong zip code. You can't cross to this zip code. What I'm trying to say, we need to learn to love people who are different from us. People who are of a different social class from us. I have a question for you. Do you, ha do you have relationships with the people of a different social class? I'm not even talking about color. I'm talking about just social class. Because social classes also divide us. Do you, do you have friends who are of a different language? Do you have friends who speak English with an accent like me, who are different from you, speak English differently? 
Do you have friends who are from the south side or the north side or the east side or the west side? I don't have enough of a geography here. But I am saying as God is children, God calls us to embrace everyone. And as we embrace everyone, the Bible says we truly show the world that we are his disciples. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be. We want to be the church. We don't just want to be the United States of America. We don't just want to be the government of Rwanda. We don't just want to be the government of Uganda. We just don't want to be the government of Ethiopia or the European Union or the United States. We are planted here to be the church first and foremost. And as the church. Thank you. Jesus calls us to put on a show. And what is the show? Is to love and love those who are different from us. I want to finish this with this verse. Uh, uh, you, will, you will be patient with me because uh, this is my I don't preach every Sunday. So uh, I'll, do, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do this one and then it will be, and it will be done. You know, I love the scriptures. And listen to this scripture. It says, do to others as you would have them. Do to others. It says, if you love those who love you, do to others as you would have them do to you. 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? That's the question. Even sinners love those who love them. Those who are like them. They love them. Even sinners love each other. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Man, I can throw a birthday party for my wife because she throws another birthday party <laughs> for me. Okay? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Man, that is a different bank. That is a different financial system. Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid in full. Listen to 35, but love your what? Your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. What is the result? Then your reward will be what? Be great. And, and you will be the children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the and wicked. 36 says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Let us become like our father in heaven. Our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is love. And in loving our enemies and the wicked and the sinners and those who are different from us and our enemies, he says, we become like him. And as a result, God rewards us in amazing ways. That's how you get a reward. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We realize 
that this is hard. It's like climbing a mountain, Kilimanjaro. Really, really hard. This whole idea of loving our enemies and those who are different from us takes us on heights where we can't even uh, find ourselves comfortable. But God, I come before you. Your word says that you've poured your love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And in this place, Lord, I pray right now that you pour your spirit in the hearts of your children. Lord, pour your Holy Spirit in the hearts of my listeners. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that a miracle of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of love, of change will happen in our lives right now as I speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you do something significant in our hearts today. And God will go back home different from the way we came. Father, we ask you to shift us towards you and towards loving your people. We thank you in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and God be with you.